Okay, so four years ago this month, I was standing in my kitchen with a sinking feeling in my gut. I had just checked my phone and I noticed that we had a voicemail from the church number. Now you should know that not very many people call our church number. In fact, we usually get just three types of calls. One, businesses who are trying to sell us something because they think we have a building. Two, people who are asking us for money because they think we have money. And three, uh, people who I call phone trolls who really just want to let us know what they think about our kind of church. So I had a sinking feeling in my gut on this particular August day because I had started to listen to this latest voicemail and the first sentence literally went like this. And I know because my husband built the technology that we use our phone system for and I went back and I found the voicemail and listened to it like two days ago. <laughs> so the first sentence went literally like this. Howdy, I'm Drew. <laughs> I'm a minister at a local Christian camp. And I noticed your pastors had signed on to a statement. <laughs> so let's pause here for context. In the fall of 2017, a national coalition of evangelical leaders spearheaded by the, uh, what is it, the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood issued a sweeping statement on, se on human sexuality. It was called the Nashville Statement, and it spoke against the LGBTQIA community in a big way. Everything from gay marriage to gender identity was touched on and rejected in what they called a, quote, Christian manifesto. So not long after this came out, a group of uh, affirming Christians wanted to make sure to speak out against the statement, to differentiate ourselves from it, to voice the harm of perpetuating this kind of theology, and also to apologize to our LGBTQIA siblings for the harm the church has caused both past and present, and just to lift up and affirm their inerrant dignity as beloved and accepted children of God. This counterstatement was called the liturgist statement. Our staff all signed the counterstatement, and Drew saw our names uh, on it online, as well as the name of our church and where the church was located. So when I heard the beginning of his voicemail, I was just sure we were all about to be condemned to hell. And honestly, it wouldn't be the first time. Okay, I've literally, I've had lots of condemnation. <laughs> But instead, this is what came next. Thank you. Thank you for going out on a limb. I know this is the kind of thing you could lose church members over. My wife and I are an hour away, but we really want to visit sometime. And they did visit. And they kept visiting. <laughs> they never stopped visiting. And what I have learned in these four years since was that this willingness for Drew to pick up the phone and say thank you and encourage us, even though he didn't have to do that, was just the tip of the iceberg of the kind of person that Drew is. Since then, I have witnessed Drew do everything in his power to make real change within the context of Christianity and in the world. 
So whether he is quitting his job and losing his housing in order to show real solidarity with the LGBTQ community, or just recognizing his privileges as a straight white male member of society and doing all he can to unlearn and reimagine with the rest of us. Drew is the kind of person who seeks to embody a liberated faith in his daily life. Now, I don't mean to center Drew in a way that celebrates what we should all already be doing. <laughs> Drew is not anybody's savior, and he would be the first to tell you that. That is not how he lives his life. That is not how he acts. All I mean to say is simply this, that Drew is the real deal. That Drew is doing good, important work, and Drew is leveraging every bit of power he has to push the needle forward. And perhaps most importantly, Drew is following his faith, following his Christ, to places where few are willing to actually go. And as he follows, he is paving paths, making space. He is Drew the Space Maker. That's what I've titled today's sermon, Drew the Spacemaker. Lately, I've latched on to this idea of our work as ministers, but also as people of God and followers of Christ, essentially being the holy work of space making. It is making space for spirit movement, making space for sacred community, making space within us for healing making space for resurrection work outside of us, making space for marginalized voices and bodies, making space for new paradigms, expanding our capacities, creating room. This is holy work. This is the work of our community. And I can't stop thinking about it, that to practice the art of it, to practice the art of sacred space making is to follow the way of Jesus. So in today's lectionary reading, Jesus does something that was not uncommon for him in the least when he challenges the religious leaders and all their traditions. He urges them to question the why of their religious practices. In doing so, in giving permission to question the way things have always been done, Jesus creates space for a new way a way that thousands of years later we still find relevant and choose to follow. So as we know, this following takes work because the life of faith is anything but easy. And part of our work as followers of Christ is making space via our own sifting. We sift through the practices and beliefs and doctrine we have inherited just like Jesus did. We sift through everything from our unconscious biases to our everyday autopilot tendencies. And we sift as we hold our traditions, even the ones we cherish, lightly, constantly asking ourselves, why? Why do we believe this? Why do we say that? Why do we do this? Are we hurting anyone here? Are we spreading the message of Jesus, the message of love? Are we making room? For the way of Christ? Are we participating in the work of heaven on earth? See, Jesus introduced this radical way of loving and this unprecedented, inclusive way of interpreting and living out our doctrine, and it changed everything. And if it weren't for his practice of questioning and then shedding the dead weight, 
shedding what wasn't working anymore, which turned into an entire movement called Christianity, by the way. If it wasn't for his radical space making, then the arc of history would look totally different in so many ways. And so in following in his way, we are committing to a life of space making ourselves. We are space makers. And today I'm so excited to affirm Drew the space maker. <laughs> As we come together to say yes over his call, yes over his ministry, and yes over his life. Drew is a space maker who everyone in our community has either learned from or benefited from in some way, believe me. His pastoral care and leadership in my life has been so clear. And as Zach, who led communion earlier, said in our ordination council a few weeks ago, Drew is the kind of person who just makes it so incredibly easy to say yes to. So Drew, one way I wanna say yes to you right now is just by giving you a few much needed reminders of what's just unconditionally true about you. And I hope you'll remember these things that are already true and access them and continue to take them with you. Your willingness to risk, your commitment to dance with nuance, even though it is absolutely the harder way, your radical loving, as Brittany said, your sincere enthusiasm and your endless encouragement and the way that you seek to live an honest faith and your goodness and your natural posture and disposition, all these things embody the ways of Jesus. And in the ways that you don't, in your struggles and your challenges and shortcomings, AKA in your inevitable humanness, you are endlessly devoted to listening and learning and practicing alongside the rest of us mere mortals. <laughs> it is absolutely a no-brainer that we would be here today. With Drew and his ordination, for those of us who know him well, we all know it was always a matter of not if, but of when. And so our yes isn't a new yes, but it's an acknowledgement of your continued work in the world as a minister of Christ, no matter how it may take shape now or in the future. Drew, you have a lot of us in your corner. <laughs> I'm sorry that so many of them have to be online today, but it'll make a great story for your grandkids. <laughs> and so while we're all here bearing witness to this moment, I want to convey a sentiment that has often been shared at our ordinations, and I want to share it with you today specifically because I know the last couple of years and this particular season has been wildly unexpected for you in so many ways. And I know you both, you and Amanda both have experienced endless upheaval for some time now. And so I just want to say with every bit of irony I can muster that here is something you can count on, that the truth that ministry has the best job security out there. <laughs> it's not good pay, and it's definitely not a nine to five job, and every day is unpredictable, but you can always guarantee there will be ministry to do. <laughs> there will always be despised people who need friends like Zacchaeus, there will always be people like the Samaritan woman who need, um, who need a visit or people, rich or poor, who desperately need to see life's abundance, just like Nicodemus or Bartimaeus. In ministry, there will always be those who are hard to love, as you said, but who need their feet washed anyway, just like Judas did. 
There will be people with whom you will have to make amends, like Peter, and time and time again, you will find yourself needing to lay down your life for the sake of others, not unlike Jesus did. There's a need for courageous agents of Christ who embody the love that Jesus demonstrated. So with this in mind, I invite you to come forward (laughs) now and face the church and the church who's online (laughs) who ordains you this morning. Hi. (laughs) He looks a little emotional. This is a time of promise making. We're using promises that have been a tradition at each one of our now nine ordination services over the years. These vows have been passed down from generations, but were given to us from the mentor to our previous lead pastor, who you know, Kyle Tubbs, and they've been used in all of our ordinations since. We're going to use them today. So, Drew, as you stand here and look at everybody, look them in the eye. They love you. Drew, know that God and your friends and your family and all of us present hear these promises. They may seem lofty and even unattainable. Just know that we don't ask you to take them as some legalistic measure, but as a reminder to continue to imitate the life of Christ. So you can respond to each question with the affirmation and commitment of I will. Will you promise that like Jesus, who went to the house of outcast Zacchaeus, you will notice and befriend the lonely or despised persons along your path. I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who sat with the Samaritan woman at the well, you will take time to visit with those whose shame and lack of self-worth cause them to be more alienated from others? I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who healed both Nicodemus and Bartimaeus, you will work to rectify the blindness that keeps all people, rich or poor, from seeing life in all its abundance. I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who listened to and learned from the Syrophoenician woman, you will be willing to be instructed and changed by the people you have the opportunity to serve? I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who cast out a legion of evil spirits from a poor man in the tombs, you will help survivors to release their own demons so they can experience more hopeful lives. I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who was highly sensitive that he could feel the touch of a frightened woman in the crowd, you will be responsive to those who interrupt your agenda and claim your energy? I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who gave Peter another chance to prove his love and loyalty, you will forgive and continue to trust those who inevitably disappoint or deny you. I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who blessed little children and built them up as worthy examples for the believers, you will affirm the young and always let them know you believe in them? I will. Will you promise that, like Jesus, who rode a small donkey into Jerusalem, you will never climb on your high horse to lord it over those to whom you have been sent to embody the good news? will Will you promise that like jesus who washed dirty feet of even judas iscariot you will perform acts of service getting your hands dirty for even the most unlovable i will finally will you promise that like jesus who is willing to lay himself down for his flock you will give yourself wholeheartedly to god's beloved in your care i will 
Having witnessed your attitude and humility over the course of knowing you and your reliance upon God and having heard your testimony and your promises, I gladly confirm you, Drew, as my brother in calling and ministry.